0: Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Oh, yeah. That's it. I hit a button and we are recording. We're live. We are cranking. We're going to be having fun today. So, this is special it's a brand new year this is 2020 fun and i'm looking forward to it we're gonna forget about last year and something new to start out the year i have two guests today two guests and for those of you who have been listening for a long time i have never done this before um we we were gonna have some schedule but we move things around and it's happening now and so you get to experience along with me how do i do it well i'm gonna start by introducing one of the guests who is actually returning. We've we've chatted with him before. We had a great conversation. I've known him for a long time. O.G. Pardot, but he has risen to the point where he is a marketing keynote speaker. He is the guy you get to keynote your whole event, Uh, author of many, many books, including the most recent, The Context Marketing Revolution, host of an award-winning podcast, The Electronic Propaganda Society, director of market strategy at Salesforce, Matt Sweezy. Welcome back.
1: What's up, Casey? Hey, everybody.
0: Man, so you're back, and you brought a friend and an amazing guy. I want to introduce him next. Fighting out of the other corner, <laughs> customer experience thought leader, an entrepreneur, a host of another podcast called The Revenue Revolutionaries, which I just I just love that. I love the idea of revolution. Um Co-author with Matt of the newly released ebook, The New North Star, Experience is the Method, Outcomes are the Goal. Love that title. Co-founder, chief community officer at MetaCX, Dave Duke. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Casey. It's great to be here. Matt, great to see you as always and excited to, to have some some conversation here. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yeah. No, it, it's it's almost too much to have either one of you on the show. So it's even crazier idea to have you both on, but like why not come out swinging in 2021? Let's do this. Let's do it. So what I'm going to do, and we're going to be talking about experience that book you guys recently released all the research around it. I can't wait to dive into it. And so Matt, it's coming back to you. You know how we do this. I'm going to pass you this thing. Here it, it, it is. Out, out of cold storage. You got it? Okay.
1: Got it. Got the hammer of Thor in right. my hand it's about to get smashed all
0: right now that's so what are we gonna it's the real hammer too so be careful you could your okay, foundation I'll, of your I'll house i
1: be, will be gingerly with okay
0: you. all right but that being said okay take thor's hammer smash for me some kind of myth bogus strategy misconception set the record straight once and for all
1: experiences are not the end all be all boom boom we did it. Shoot. So,
0: are your walls still there? Did you smash a, like the Kool Aid man? Did you smash a hole s- through him?
1: Smashed something. Um, so, what we really need to think about is, and the, let's take two steps back, right? So, experiences matter, they're important, um, but they are not the end all be all that we once thought they were. So, we've been de- going down an experience train. Um, I'm a very big proponent of experiences. Um, me and Joe Pine have done a lot of talking about this. If you're not familiar with Joe, he wrote The Experience Economy. It really talks about the experience as the next evolution or the highest uh, evolution of business value. Um, and it's it's true. We need to think about experiences as such. But what we also have found, and so going back June of last year, a colleague of mine, Karen Manji, and me set off to do some research. And that research was really based around how has COVID changed this world and this notion of customer experience? And so we sit down and have a bunch of conversations with chief customer officers, chief experience officers. And we come back and there's a couple of big keywords and a couple of major themes that we just hear across the board. And the number one word was outcomes. In fact, this was the quote that really changed my mind and that really opened up a whole new world for me was a chief experience officer saying, we have happy customers with great experiences leave all the time. We have unhappy ones with bad experiences stay. The differences are the outcomes that they receive. And what we must realize is that if the experience does not lead to the desired outcome for the individual, it's all for naught. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't be focused on experiences, but what we must realize is the experience is not the customer's goal. It's only the method that we use to help them accomplish their goal.
0: Experience isn't the goal, man. i got to, you got to say that again. They were, they were happy customers who like enjoyed the experiences and they left.
1: Yeah. I mean, we have it all the, it happens all the time. Yeah. Right, it's it's um, think about just think about us. And let's say that you're a, a manager or a line of business leader and yeah. you've got a great working relationship with a software vendor. You may leave that software vendor for a number of reasons. And it's not because you're not happy with that company. It's because maybe that that technology doesn't exactly execute the way you need it to. Maybe your plans have changed. Um, the outcomes that you are looking for may have changed. There's lots of different reasons, uh, but experiences are only a part of the math. They are not the entire ball of wax that we must be focused on.
0: Wow, and when I mean we that, then- Yeah, that's true for that, life in general. Go, yeah. Go when,
1: we, when we change that, that, that simple notion, we then open up to what I believe is really the next frontier for specifically for co- complex sales, which means we start to open up the doors to outcome-based pricing, outcome-based selling, outcome-based service. And this really is the next step because this is where digital transformation leads us in organizations it pulls us out of silos and it starts to have us focus on orchestrating outcomes across the customer journey
0: god i knew there was a reason like hanging out with you i feel like that that you always what is that that next evolution in marketing i feel like you, you guys have exposed it here and and we we had sort of a i don't know if it was a decade we had that such a focus on experience and Hey experience is fun to focus on sending popcorn to people and you know delighting them but at the same time that that popcorn was tasty but I'm still leaving you guys sorry we didn't get we needed done yeah and
1: it's also then we, we didn't take to the next yeah. step which is all right let's think if we operationalize experience if we operationalize experience how do we measure the effect. And so we've been following the, the net promoter score model, right? That was, that was a big book that came out probably 10 years ago. Um, you know, we have entire new apartments, we have chief experience officers as a result. Um, the problem with NPS that we also found through this research is the same. Number one, it's not necessarily tied to revenue. If you see your NPS score change, you are not in the same day going to see your revenue number change, right? So there's not a direct connection. So it's once again, it's a subjective metric. Two is that it is a question that not everyone in the world responds the same way to. So if you're a global organization and you were trying to measure experience, this is another quote that we got. If we ask the Danes the NPS question, they get a zero response because Danish, as a part of their culture, do not recommend products to other people inside of their culture. So they were finding that when they would run these studies in certain countries, um, South America was another one where they said that any country in South America, when they would ask the NPS survey, they would get higher scores over average, because what they were finding was culturally, that culture responded different to that question than other countries. And so it has a cultural implication of do people even recommend things? Or if you are asking a person a question that is going to impact your business, are they going to give you an honest answer? Or are they trying to make you feel better about yourself? And so that was another cultural implication. So you have this notion of this is the method, but it's a flawed method. Um, And then when we shift this notion to outcomes, we can end up with a very different method and a very different measurement that is directly tied to um, outcomes because we can increase customer lifetime value directly. We can increase um, time to value specifically um, and accurately. And then this opens up a whole new world of new go-to-market models. So there's so much to this. Dave, why don't you jump in and kind of add some two cents in here?
2: Yeah, I, I would uh, just to build on that, uh, Casey. Go back to some some really basic questions, and this is um, kind of a catalyst for us as as we've we've uh, pursued this collaboration. But it, it's big questions like what what is customer success at, at the end of the day? Like how how do we define it? And you know why are our customers coming to uh, the, the suppliers in the first place? What why do they partner? Well, they have they have goals that they need to achieve. They need to achieve these outcomes. And as as uh, simple and as basic as that is, that really is what we're talking about. We're trying to get back to the fundamentals of of business in 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 many ways here. Uh, and it's kind of a fascinating uh, evolution uh, to to the point. Me- Matt's making around, you know, experience is is always important. We, we have to deliver great experiences. We do compete on that level. Uh, but that at the end of the day, the customers are evaluating, did they achieve value uh, in this relationship? And we need to think about that in new ways, we believe. We need to operationalize that line of thinking really throughout the organization uh, cross-functionally if we are going to make our customers truly successful. You
0: know, this is such an interesting... I I love this because it's making me think, and it's not too early in the morning. I know for you guys, it's pretty early, but you mentioned how NPS score as a whole is subjective in different cultures, rated different ways. I knew that from the get-go when someone gave my book a four-star I knew that it's clearly they must be from from Norway or somewhere else where they just don't. Where's my five? Where's where's <laughs> that fifth? But no, all joking aside, like cable companies, we, we know that they have the lowest NPS scores on the planet, but I'm not getting rid of Cobcast because that's how we're connecting right now. Mm-hmm. If now the day that they don't connect, though, I am dropping them like it's hot because I, that's what I need them to do. But you yeah, know, as sure. as terrible as they are, or that reputation they have. I still have internet and so i will keep yeah. that it's, it's doing the job
2: that you needed to do yeah. ultimately and the experience right. could be improved you know but you're you're evaluating uh is it doing the job yeah. what i would also say is that you know we have to we have to think about some of the macro dynamics that are at work here you know uh, especially in in technology and in SaaS, there's more competition than ever uh, it is um you know subscription model has now taken hold So, you know, when we, we step into those relationships, there's not always a long-term commitment. Usually it's an an annual exercise and from a customer success standpoint, you're on the clock uh, really from, from the minute that they sign the contract, if not before, you know, as they start to uh, align to your organization, kind of believe in what you're, you're pitching them. Uh, So, you know, we need to think about the, the consequences of not delivering value. We need to think about how do we set the tone from day one? How do we set expectations? We can break that down more here as we talk um, so that the customer is, is in a position to be successful, but also the supplier is in a position to be successful when we get to the renewal exercise uh, because it's it's this ongoing cycle of, what have you done for me lately? Have you delivered value? Um, and if you did, then we'll keep going and we can have a, a long-term relationship, multi-year relationship. But if you didn't, I'm I'm out and I'm going to go talk to one of your competitors. Mm-hmm. So that's why this is so important because we need to protect revenue. We need to grow revenue and we need to understand how that, how that actually happens.
0: You know, you, you mentioned SaaS too. And, and know i run cheshire impact and so on the professional services side totally get this makes total sense it's critical but on the SaaS side it i can see it being challenging because you know when we we all work in different tools and we've worked at different platforms where Mm. you got to get people to actually use it it's not enough that they're thrilled with the experience like we're talking about but in terms of customer success you can't like force them at gunpoint to use the features they need to use to be successful so it kind of brings up that larger question of how, how do you make sure that they're successful?
1: Yeah, so let's just dive right into that real quick because there, there's I want people to be able to leave with a theory. There's a new idea, but I also want you to be able to leave with some tactics that you can go home yeah. and like start to implement tomorrow with this concept, All totally. right, So let, let's break some things down. The simplest and easiest thought we can have is this notion of a business review, right? So let's say that you you don't do outcome-based pricing. You're not doing outcome-based selling. You're not necessarily doing outcome-based service, but you can implement this one thing without any of those other things. And that is changing the way that you think about a business review. So traditional business review is you go to the customer, it's usually an annual or quarterly basis, and you're sitting down and you're saying, all right, it's usually a, a large PowerPoint presentation, which is going to show a lot of statistics on here's the usage, here's the adoption um, that, that we have put in. Usually an hour-long presentation kind of goes through and that's it. It's a business review, right? We're going to show you how you're using this. You're going to tell us how we're doing. Um, And this is just a standard part of CSG. The problem with that is that it's not really doing anything other than just a check-in, right? And it's usually done right before renewal. um, And then we all understand how bad this problem is. So if we change this idea and we implement this notion of outcomes into the equation, how does that then change a business review? Well, let's think about it. Number one is if we know what the outcome is, we know all the sub aspects that the outcome needs to achieve itself. So we can now start to break this outcome down into very small micro steps or milestones. Now we can switch this cadence from a quarterly or annual cadence to a milestone based cadence. So once you've reached that next milestone, let's wrap. Let's use a one-page, almost like a one-page business plan, which startups use. Let's use this one-page alignment plan. And then let's use that to tell you what you need to do specifically next, how to get you to that next milestone to get you to that achievement. So now what we've done is we've flipped it from going from a long-term and a quarterly or annual basis. We've changed it from a presentation and we've changed the time frame. So now it is milestone-based. So the cadence has changed. What we are using is a one-page alignment document to make sure we know exactly what we need to get to the next step. And now we are working to achieve the outcomes. So we are actually now becoming a true partner, helping this person achieve. Then what we can do is we can add a measurement to this, which is time to value. Now, this is not a new metric in organizations in CSG, but the focus on time to value needs to be elevated because now we can start to do is the time to value to these milestones or to the larger thing. And when we can start to ensure that we can decrease the individual's time to value, when we know, I can say, I can get you to that outcome in X days, we now have a competitive differentiation because it's not just, I can sell you the promise of this outcome. I tell you exactly how long it is going to take you to get to that outcome. And we can even take it a step further from there. And you can then start to do these TTV numbers based on the maturity models of the customer. So it becomes very, very accurate. I'm going to pause. That was a lot. Um, I just get really excited sorry yeah i think matt what
2: you know back to to your book um you know this is about context like this is about working in the the right context really on a daily basis you know to to build on what he's saying it's uh, do we understand what the customer needs to achieve in in the, the beginning of the relationship and then how are we managing the work in that in that context throughout the life cycle and that's where there there are uh, areas that that break down today because we are not setting our teams up for uh for for doing that Um, and just managing customers uh, for the majority of my career like it was really on me to kind of figure out how to advance strategy with with my customers i was not given a lot of guidance uh maybe a framework here or there but um, not, not a lot of uh, a strong tool set, let's put it that way. So um, I was always kind of scrambling to orient myself to manage the customer in the right context. Uh, so we think there's a, there's a lot that can be done to empower um, all functions to, uh, to work in a better context, to, to better serve the customers, to accomplish what Matt's outlining there.
1: And if we just boil those words up, just to the big buzz keywords of the day, What we're hearing is number one is digital transformation. Digital transformation means moving our organizations into a different organization. It doesn't just mean like buying digital tools and using digital things. It means operating in a new way. One of the number one foundations of that is moving your organizations out of silos and into concentric circles around these key moments of the customer journey. And when you do that, you now have a cross-function team That now shares metrics and then can orchestrate these outcomes and that's the biggest key thing that we must understand is an outcome is not a single team creating this outcome so if we go back to any moment on the customer journey and you look at what is required in that moment from your organization there's every member from every team that's going to be required There's going to be an it element there's going to be a csg element there's going to be a service and insights element there's going to be a marketing element when we then decentralize and start to reorganize we can then start to orchestrate these outcomes in very fast, efficient manners. Agile being the methodology that we would use to then actually do this work inside of these new concentric circles. So that's also something that we found in our research is that this is going on right now as we are watching organizations move into this model so that they can orchestrate these outcomes for the sole reason that it is a competitive differentiation. It is a way that they are able to guarantee that these outcomes exist. And then you take this one step further. If you're an organization and you can automatically guarantee, I can get you to this outcome quicker, you automatically have. We, Casey, you and I know automation. Dave, yeah. you know automation because you bought us, right? This is exactly <laughs> how me and Dave know each other. He was at Exact Target, they purchased Pardot. Yeah. So we all understand automation. Once you can then start to leverage automation, orchestration, and systems to ensure that these things happen, you now have a different go to market strategy that can open up radically new doors. In fact, we are seeing enterprise software vendors move into a freemium market model because they can ensure the delivery of those outcomes. They don't have to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of lead acquisition of going through expensive sales processes. They can go to market in a totally new way Mm. because they can solve very specific outcomes automatically and at scale. That is a massive change for an organization.
0: Is the the idea that they can offer the freemium because they know very quickly, you're going to be finding the success that is tied to value and you're going to be willing to pay for that. Exactly no right. If, yeah. if
1: I know what your outcome is, it doesn't matter how I get you to start. If I know what your outcome is and I can deliver it, I can automatically move you to that place easily. And then that's the value. And then you're happy to pay for that value. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just changing a lot of different things.
0: Yeah. I see a lot of apps doing that these days too. Just even the iPhone apps. Hey, you know, try this, you know, freemium version, but The question is, can they get me to that success? to feel like, oh, there's value here. I would pay anything for this app. Yes, let's go. Crank up the, spend, spend whatever we need to spend on it. Yeah. You know, I I actually just experienced that with DocuSign the other day. They Mm -hmm. had, you know, you sign up and they're like, cool, DocuSign, send out a couple of these things. And they know like, oh, that was so easy. Of course, you're going to pay for the the real thing in short order if you haven't already. Because like, where would you be without some kind of e-signature platform? Rather than making you wait and talk to a business sales, and nope, nope, start sending, and you're gonna realize, yep, just, just sign me up. Uh, they could probably even throw a SaaS, you know, little little paywall thing on there, and I'll just, I'll just buy those things. That's yeah. And crazy. then
1: as you, as you move down this chain of what it can change and how it can transform an organization, you see outcome based pricing at the far left of we can then start to charge differently based on this notion of outcomes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're starting to see, I mean, there's lots of examples. So you've got Bayer Pharmaceuticals and their agricultural division, which is already starting to do outcome-based pricing on their products. So they're no longer selling farmers strictly buy my fertilizer, buy my whatever. They're starting to do a pre-assessment of what is your farm? What is your yields? What are your desired outcomes? Let's then help you achieve those outcomes. And then once you then, then you're going to be paying based on outcomes. You're not yeah. paying for the products. You're paying for the outcomes that you're receiving. Um, Metro Mile is a great consumer application that's allowing consumers to pay for the outcome, which is I only need the insurance for the miles that I'm driving the car. It does me no good to have insurance when I'm not using my vehicle. Um, and then you're seeing Honeywell. Honeywell's even released professional services around an outcome-based pricing strategy. So there are massive buildings that they're monitoring and using all of their sensor technology to manage It's now moving to an outcome-based structure where you are going to state with them, here are the outcomes that we want for our businesses. And then as you then reduce your footprint, as you reduce your costs, you are then paying for those services based on the outcomes that they produce. Now, this then brings up a lot of really big questions. Um, And Dave, this is a a fascinating conversation we could take on, which is if we move into an outcome-based model, we must realize that there are two sides to an outcome. There's Mm -hmm. the vendor side of, we are going to be able to get you there. We're going to provide you the tools. But if the individual does not lift a finger, the outcome is not not achieved. So we now have to start talking about new types of models where we hold the other side accountable. Um, There has to be some type of documentation in between these two parties to kind of keep them accountable, keep them on track. Um, And that really then moves us into this kind of outcome-based selling method, which is the sooner you can start aligning your organization and your customers around outcomes. You can get both parties to agree on what you are going to desire. You can get both parties to agree on what they're going to do. You then have the ability to then start to unlock this key.
2: That's say. right. Yeah, that's right. And back well, to your point problem. earlier, the, the idea that the, the the quarterly business review needs needs to evolve and we've used the word in continuous and we, we really do embrace that. And to to Matt's point, you know, it really becomes a mutual success plan. Uh, The idea of a success plan is not new, but the the context of that we think can can improve. Uh, And and by that, we mean, we need to think about how we are uh, managing a plan collaboratively with our customers, uh, but with with the outcomes being the, the centerpiece there and then leveraging data when we can, to uh, inform the, uh, the the progress alongside those milestones. Uh, so you'll hear us use the phrase uh, proof of performance meaning we need to think about how we're going to prove that the value is being delivered through through uh, through data. And that's where the, the two sides have to come together and, and work together to, to um, to make that progress and ultimately uh, uh, advance the the relationship and then the work on the path to achieving those outcomes. So uh, it is absolutely a collaborative effort, and this is where it goes back to orchestration um, early in the life cycle because. We need in marketing to set expectations that are setting the sales uh, team up for success, so that they can you know close close deals in in the most efficient way. But then we need to think about how does that um, exercise hand off into the the post sales world, uh, and you know that's where the experience is really important. You know we need that to be a really seamless experience, but uh, with uh, kind of the the long term in mind, like how do we do this in a way that sets our customer up for success over over the long term. Um, so it takes that internal alignment, um, but with the customer right there with us to um, to collaborate um, from day one.
0: Yeah, I'm glad we're going to get into the- this because it's, uh, it's, first I'm like, yeah, let's do this. I want to make everything this. And then, then I'm realizing it's hard. And I'm glad we brought up the, it has to be a collaboration, vendor, customer. It, I don't know if you guys have heard this stat, but there's that stat that, you know, SaaS routinely gets used like thirty percent of its all the features and all the value that it has. People are typically using just like the surface of it, mm-hmm. um, and I wonder if we even just ran away to experience because the challenge of, of getting people to use more than thirty percent of our apps was just enormous. Well, I think it's um,
2: it's a good point, and I think there is there's a couple things that work there. There is, are we selling to the right? To the right co- company, to the right customers. We, um, as I talk to leaders, you know, more and more are evaluating that piece of the puzzle. Like, are we, do we, do we have good fit customers? Um, and then, to your points, you know, not everybody's going to use every feature. Uh, the, the most important uh, thing to keep in mind is that they're using the features that they need to to achieve their outcomes. And if that's thirty percent right. of the feature set, that's okay if that puts them in a position to achieve their outcome. If um, there's There's a a broader set or you know more sophisticated uh, set of outcomes that people are trying to achieve that might require more functionality. But that's part of what we we need to break down as we start to talk about operationalizing this. As I talk to leaders and teams, it is you know how are we presenting our products and services in the context of the, the outcomes that the customer needs to achieve, and that's where. And We need to advance the, the success planning exercise because I, I can't even tell you how many times throughout my career I was asked, you know, are we using this feature or why are we using this feature? Um, you know, the, the customer success organization needs to be able to explain that, but I would argue that the, the sales team and the marketing team also need to be able to, to articulate that. There, there's reasons we are recommending you use this, this feature and the customer needs to really understand that. Um, but it's, it's definitely a spectrum. It's not a one size fits all dynamic. And that is what we need to help organizations uh, figure out.
0: Nice. Nice. What part does marketing play? And we've kind of touched on it a couple of times, a lot of marketers listening, a lot of folks in the revenue team. What part do we play? And then, or maybe that question. And then also the question, Dave, Customer experience and customer success, whichever you name your department, maybe maybe a background on what you guys even do, and then tying into how marketing can play a part in that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, MetaCX at a high level, uh, we we are thinking about new ways to bring buyers and suppliers together, kind of in in the the spirit of collaboration, to manage relationships in in the ways that we're talking about. So, uh, how, how do we? Uh, sell outcome based uh, agreements how do we manage those outcome based uh, agreements uh, kind of in the in the, the the spirit of the life cycle so we are we are quite literally trying to help organizations operationalize an outcome based approach mm. um, but we also believe fundamentally, that there's better ways to collaborate with, mm-hmm. with organizations. You'll often hear us that say that the customer's kind of been left out of the, the systems that are being used to manage them. So what would it look like if we brought the two sides together in some new ways? Um, but we're also thinking about this, this exchange of, of, of the plans and the data that informs the plans. So we are connecting strategy and, and data in, in new ways and empowering organizations to share that data in new ways as well. Um, but back to your your marketing question, I, I think they play a critical role. And I, I think you know, there's there's more understanding than ever that we need to market to you know uh, close new business, but we need to also be marketing to our customer base. And I, I like to simplify this as well and just say that you know, marketers need to understand, um, the, the value prop, but at, at this kind of outcome based level, do they truly understand what the organization is, is doing to help the customer achieve their outcomes? We need the language to, to uh, speak to the, those outcomes. In other words, if I'm a prospect and I'm, I'm checking out your website, I need to, I should be pretty, uh, should be easy for me to understand that you're gonna put me in a position to achieve a set of outcomes. Um, and then we can talk about how that you know can be customized to any given organization. But at the end of the day, it's really this uh, let's evolution of of the value prop. Is it is it um, really hitting on uh, an outcome based uh, kind of set of language?
1: Now, I want to kind of play a different angle on that from the marketing standpoint. And it's there's a current state and a future state. So the current state is is what Dave's talking to of kind of how can we think about moving this currently. Future state is you're not going to have a choice. You're going to be forced to market on outcomes. It's it's once the product, once a marketplace has gotten to a place of commodity, which pretty much most of us have really gotten close to commoditization at this point in time. If you're a technology software space for any number of years, you have lots and lots and lots of competition. Everyone can do the same five basic things. The difference is how quickly can I get you to the outcomes that you want? So marketers are going to have to shift to this new method and these new models, right? Outcome-based pricing is a marketing model. This notion of, you know, we are now going to be able to get you to your TTV and we can start to talk about TTV. We are able to get our customers to their outcomes, to their desired outcomes, 30% faster than other companies, right? So we're going to be able to start to change the language that we use. Um, We're going to be able to start to change the way that we deliver those. And Dave's talking about, you know, new methods that align the, the two parties together to share data. Think about a future state where we don't even have a sales team, Think about a future state where we have blockchain and decentralized organization. One party types in the outcome they want. The other party types in the commitment to the outcome delivery and the metrics. You then just start using the software. And once your outcomes are met, based on the data that is shown, you're automatically drawn out of your bank account. <laughs> right? Like That is a future state that is very possible. And it's only achieved when outcomes become the key between the two parties.
0: You know, how, how do you track that? You, you know, a lot of people... I mean, we've even helped people set up metrics and reporting on our side. And and to start with, they have zero or they don't have the data they want to see. So how do you go from not having the data to showing that there was growth? Hey, you use this tool, this marketing tool, and you went from here to here. But if you don't have that baseline, how, how would they approach that?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's a good question. And that's where uh, I would say the strategy is actually ahead of of technology, and that's where we need to close that gap quickly. And we're we're trying to do so, uh, but it is um, it is connecting the strategy and the data uh, in, in new ways. And what we mean by that is, we when we when we talk about KPIs that we are using to manage customer relationships, we need to uh, be creating sets of metrics that align to the outcomes, and, and understand that. Uh, there is um, there's a set of KPIs that the customer is actually monitoring and managing to determine if, if they're achieving their outcomes. And sometimes they do own them. So uh, what CS Uh, M's would do or customer success managers do right now is they, they are often trying to wrangle data. They're trying to dissect it in spreadsheets or um, kind of pull it out of different systems to tell a story. And we think that needs to be um, easier uh, to facilitate. But then we also uh, know when we talk back to kind of proving out performance that, you know, the customer needs to be empowered to share data in new ways back into the supplier organization, because, um, they, they own that. So what could that look like? We're asking big questions like that, but um, it does come back to the metrics and kind of key question. Are we, are we focused on the right set of metrics? And then do we understand how we can uh, kind of manage uh, the, the work and the relationship relative to those metrics? Got
1: it. And kind of, Casey, I want to jump in real quick on that yeah. too, is, you know, all this research that we did really what we need to realize is that you're just not going to tomorrow wake up and say, I'm going to be an outcome-based organization. The path to outcomes runs through experience. So the companies that we are looking at, that we are interviewing, that are really heads down deep into these outcomes have been on an experience path for many, many years and have full executive buy-in from the highest levels to redo their organization with initially a focus on experience through that lens of experience, they were able to to reorganize and understand experiences are very powerful. Their organization was able to understand that power. Then they took the next step and saying, but wait, there's a greater or a higher power that then can compete against this even better. And that was then this movement to outcomes. So as we go down this path, right? This is still a question mark that hasn't been answered is can you leapfrog this whole step of experiences and go right to outcomes? We haven't been able to do the research yet to answer that question. Okay, Um, But so just remember, like this is a pathway, it's a long and continuous path. Um, So if you're not there today, don't think you're just going to be there tomorrow. There are lots of moving pieces and parts. But it is a journey. And the number one step this is from every bit of research we've done, the number one step is you have to have full executive approval to do this without that step you're not going to be able to really move down this path in a significant manner. Yes. You can change the quarterly business reviews. Yes. You can do these other elements, but to really do this at an organization and to operationalize this, you have to start with that full executive approval.
0: And that executive approval, they need to approve what outcome based or experience. based They they need to understand
1: that, that their organization is going to have to transform the way that they think about going to market, the way that they think about selling, the way that they think about service and number one, that has to be underscored with this notion that experiences matter. And only those experiences that lead to outcomes are the ones that they should be focusing on. Because that then brings up the next question. If you're an experience-focused organization, what experiences do I put resources towards? You could put experience, the resources towards experiences all day long. Um, but the reality is, is only the ones that help them achieve their outcomes are the ones that really you should be investing in.
0: Okay. so So first step is getting that, obviously, that senior level buy-in. Is that next step then embracing experience, or to your point, you're only you're embracing experience, but then you're trying to very quickly track that or set those up so that you can track how effective they were in? In achieving your outcomes. Or what what is yeah, step I mean, next
1: next step with next step two? And my Dave, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on this would be. Step two is a pretty standard step, which is customer journey mapping, right? Let's map the customer journey and know kind of where people are going with the notion of where do they want to end up and then how do we get them there? Um, so then once you have that understanding, you can then take the next step, which is then start to To then decentralize your organization, move out of silos and start to co-own metrics around these key moments, and then start to organize and orchestrate teams around these key moments. With that, then you can start to implement new methods that then achieve those outcome deliveries. And then you can really start, and then in that mix... You really need to implement this notion of time to value so we can measure how quickly someone is able to achieve these outcomes. You can start to implement new roles such as a customer success planner who really starts to work at the pre-sale stage, who then starts to pull out the outcomes, who then stays with the account through the pre and post-sale and helps make that transition to ensure that they achieve those outcomes. Um, So rather than a pre-sale AE, um, support right it moves with one central person moving through to ensure the outcome delivery um, and then you know with that then there's software and technology that can help align these things keep these make this simple um, for all parties David yeah, that?
0: I would uh, it, Dave's uh, like I totally disagree no, <laughs> no smash that theory uh, come on we need, we need well metrics. all I do
2: is I build on what Matt's saying so you hear me use that phrase but uh, at a maybe more tech uh, tactical level it is starting to kind of in the spirit of the journey mapping exercises, really uh, review how we are talking to customers. What language are we using, and what does that look like uh, across marketing, sales, and, and customer success? Uh, back to the points earlier, that's where things break down. It's it really is the, those handoff exercises that we're all familiar with. Uh, but before the handoffs, uh, let's let's just examine the, the language and how. It's being transferred from uh, functional area to functional area uh, because we need that consistency. And then uh, there's a lot of responsibility on sales and customer success to set expectations in the sales process, help, help new customers understand what they're buying, why they're buying it, and then how we are going to manage them to achieve their outcomes. And then our services and customer success organizations, need to pick it up from there um, but uh, that's where the experience is important we don't we don't want there to be friction in the experience of the customer is and they're they're aware of where this is going to go and how we're going to get there um, but the language is really important we, we <laughs> words are important you know um, a lot of people say that but that's where we can get uh, really disoriented. So uh, I'm coming back to some some basic yeah, ideas. Yeah, talk there. to
0: me about language though.
1: Let me let me drop in there real quick. So yeah. during this research, here's, here's a quote from a chief experience officer. They said, once we implemented the customer success planner, right? This role that focuses on, they understand what the outcomes are in the pre-sale stage. They then help set the success plans, help talk about product and then move with the customer to the post-sale process, right? Pre and post-sale connection. Here's the quote from the chief experience officer. We stopped seeing grenades be thrown over the fence. Anyone that moves that's on the customer success side knows exactly what we're talking about. Is once the deal has been done, sales sold a promise that can't be delivered, which now means there's a grenade that's been thrown over, which is a ticking time bomb to how long that customer stays. They're going to have a horrible, horrible experience. But just, just moving to that notion of outcomes, putting in the customer success planner to align these two methods, removed that entire problem. Mm-hmm. um so you know this this notion of language it's very important because when you have and you know we can put a new role which can help ensure that that language and not just that the language but the actual experiences that they're receiving then actually do the things that we're promising that they that they do
0: got it so is it around the expectations the la- the, the focus on language it's it's are we all communicating the same outcomes are we all communicating the same expectations is that what we're talking about with language
1: yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's pretty standard, just okay. basic, making sure that we are actually talking about the things that we can deliver and then ensuring that there is someone that is going to be held accountable for delivering that action, right? Because sales is not held accountable for delivering those outcomes. They're, right. they're just the ones that, that sign the paper or keep the lights on, as they say, and then make the mess, let everyone else clean it up.
0: Yeah, That's right. The right. So the grenades is huge. Yeah. yeah
2: the sales team sets the tone and it can go one or two ways really well or, or poorly. Uh, And then it really is up to customer success organizations to uh, ensure that there's ongoing alignment and then uh, delivering on, on the promises that have been made uh, through the, uh, through products and services or the account team, you know, however large the, the relationship, but that is um, that's what we're talking about. And it's, it's uh, back to the, the context thing. It's like, are we working in the right context ongoing? Yeah. Right. And
1: then not to, not to re bring back up the thing that we smashed at the beginning, but then this is where experience comes back into play is once you then have the outcome, once you then know how to get there, then it's the experience of delivering that outcome. That's then when experience starts to matter again, it's that, okay, now we know the outcome we're delivering that outcome. And now how can we improve that outcome deliveries? Well, we can make that then a better experience. So it's, it's out. and, And so here we go. Another, chief, another quote from a chief experience officer, we have redone our math on customer success. Customer success is now measured on customer outcomes divided by customer experience, where customer outcomes are weighed heavier than customer experience. But customer experience is still a part of their equation. It's just not the primary motivator, right? So the, we can break this down in terms of hierarchy, right? So an experience that doesn't lead to an outcome can always be surpassed by an outcome with a poor experience but an outcome with a poor experience can always be surpassed by an outcome with a positive experience so we can start to see how these two things work together to create a better future
0: can you say that again
1: yeah so i i, I that was really good a great a great experience <laughs> that does yeah. not lead to the outcome yeah. is at the bottom right yes. so we had a great experience good but it didn't lead to the outcome customer leaves we can have the outcome achieved in a poor experience and that will keep more customers but then we can have an outcome with a, an amazing experience to keep even more customers. Got so it. the highest goal is outcome achievement via the best experience. Experience Got is it. really just the method that we use to deliver efficiently and effectively and make it easy as possible.
0: Achieved, and it was a wonderful time. Yeah. It's interesting. It circles back around now to experience. So it's not like we're saying all oh, the experienced people are idiots. We're saying, no, yes, and, like, outcome and then... Let's yeah, make, right. you know, it's, I guess it goes back to everything. Just, just make sure that the things we're doing are moving something forward toward a goal. Now, actually, right. question on that. Um, Dave, do you, do you have
2: something? I was just going to say it's about business impact, you know, yeah. and b- back to the my, I think the first point I made was customers sign up for a reason. Do you understand their reason? And uh, and then delivering on,
0: on that. Right. So this kind of ties into that. Customers sign up for a reason. And, and depending on how great your sales team is, um, especially for some SaaS apps, and how great your marketing experience is, you have a concert with a cool band. Um, what happens if they've purchased and they don't actually they don't actually know the outcome? And and is that just you got to go fig, you got to go figure it out, or does that fit play into any of this at all?
2: I think it's it is up to the suppliers to to ensure that they understand the 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 new customer the the prospect in the sales process to ensure that we are setting them up for success over the long term. So we do get that question, and it, it's um, it's important to kind of parse through that. And that's where I say, like, it's it's really up to us to ensure that the the way that we're talking to to the new customer is kind of outcome based. Uh, there's there's a clear understanding of of the value that's going to be delivered o- over time. Because of what can happen if they don't understand that, um, but I would argue like there, it, it's already there. It's it's just um, it's 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 how we're we're talking about it that is yeah. um, sometimes problematic.
0: I guess that goes back to grenades, anyways, right? If if they don't know what the outcome is, and you sold it to them anyways, that's that's a recipe for a really it's, potent grenade. Yeah,
2: right. And it's back to like there, there's a problem, you know, that is is uh, needing to be solved, and yeah. it's clearly aligning that that problem, that set of problems, with the outcome language. That's that's what that's at the heart of what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, and I I think
1: it goes from a, a duh statement of you sell something that does X, it does nothing other than X, you can pretty much assume the outcome is they want to do X. But then the question then becomes, what specifically is that? So we can then take that to a higher level. So one of the interesting things we also saw in this research was um, the level of sophistication that organizations are getting to around outcome delivery and outcome experience. Um, The most sophisticated example I saw was they had mapped the time to value requirements based on the maturity level of the customer. So customer comes to them and say, we want to achieve said outcome. Well, everyone has a different path to the the achievement of that outcome based on where you're starting, which is a very, we have to also make sure this is part of the equation. If you know where they're starting, you know exactly the path that it takes, and you can have a real conversation with them that says, this is the reality that you're about to face. You have a couple of options. You can do this the quickest way. You can do this the best way and then give them choices how do you want to achieve this outcome, right? So now we start to collaborate with the customer on how do we achieve this outcome. But it was that that very big insight of saying, well, we have to realize that not all customers are going to have the same path to outcome achievement, even if it's the same outcome that they want to achieve. Um, So, you know, map it to the maturity. Then from there, we can then create microservices to help your teams. And this is not when I'm saying we do, but I mean, like you can, Um, This Mm -hmm. example specifically, they created a microservice that then guided, you know, next best step, next best action, guided the CSG department to actually those micro milestones. Okay, Mm -hmm. here's the next milestone you need to help them achieve. Um, So there was a whole another customer experience angle that comes back and excuse me, employee experience angle that comes back of saying, well, once we have alignment on the outcomes, we can now create a better experience for our employees to ensure that that outcomes delivered, creating a better customer experience as well.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I was about to challenge you on the the duh thing because I think there's some platforms that do one thing really well, but then they keep adding so many. I mean, think marketing automation, CRM. Why do people even buy CRM? Is it mm-hmm. to help sell more? It, there's so much to it these days that... But, but when you add in maturity, it makes total sense. Okay, these people are very mature. They can get to these higher levels very quickly. These other people, they're looking at marketing automation and they still have billboard and radio ads. Like, okay, well, th- th- there's a there's a process here we're going to have to undertake and it's going to take you longer to get to some of these, these later points. Uh, but yeah. th- the context, it's perfect. It makes sense.
2: Also an exercise of just staying close to uh, the market and then your customer base and understanding why, why they are... Um, using your product in, in the first place. Like, yeah, my point there is that it's really necessary for, I think, sales uh, and customer success teams to just be curious and always be uh, uh, trying to understand your, your customers better. The, there's, you know, even when it's not obvious um, or people have not fully adopted a kind of outcome-based approach, you know, it's it's right in front of you. You just have to go talk to customers and say, well, why why are you using this this feature? Like, well, let's let's unpack that. Let's unburst yeah. that. If we are still like trying to figure out how we should be talking to customers, um, I don't think we should overthink it. I think we should just go talk to customers and and really really just peel that back.
0: It's a great point. It's like my favorite consulting question when people ask me, they move from one system to another. Does this new program have X Y feature? that I really loved oh, in my last yeah. platform. And the biggest trap is to just say, oh yes, no, or sales falls into this. And the answer is actually, well, what are you trying to do with it? You know, and That's they're right. like, oh, I wanna do this. You're like, yeah, there's like nine features that can handle that. You're fine, you're good. Right. It's like the
2: basic like five whys. You just, you gotta put, yeah. press into that. And ultimately you're, you'll, more often than not, there's there's only so many business metrics. You're you're going to get back into um, you know while well, well, we're trying to re- retain customers, we're trying to grow customers, we're trying to close more deals, like we're trying to uh, save save money. So you know it really typically leads back to that in some way. But you need to understand um, how how
0: that happens. Right. Wow. Crazy, crazy! I, this is cool. I feel like I'm in the forefront. You guys are constantly researching, and I just get to benefit from learning from you guys. And, you know, you know, Matt, I've learned a lot about you from uh, from our interview. Uh, Dave, you're this new mysterious person who knows all <laughs> these things that I don't know. Um, my question to you is like, who are you? Who are you? Can you like take me back in time to like little Dave growing up? Yeah. Did you, were you always thinking customer experience and outcomes even as a four year old?
2: No. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. Happy to go back a little bit. This is fun for me. I, I don't get to do this too often. Um, yeah. but I'm a am in Indianapolis, I'm kind of a born and raised Hoosier, uh, from a town, Muncie, Indiana. And I went to uh, like the actual
0: a- Muncie. So you were just like hardcore Indiana, yeah. I am. Um, that's are you familiar? Well, I is it is the is the Hoosiers movie from Muncie? Is oh, well,
2: the what a- Hoosiers movie, uh, that's a so you're hitting a fun spot for me. If you see that, shoe, <laughs> you, you see that shoe in my, my back. I saw
0: the shoe. Yeah. You were talking about customer experience. I totally missed it because I was just focusing on that shoe. That shoe fun <laughs> gift. I just turned 40.
2: It's signed by the, the, the team, um, from the movie. So from the movie you hit, you hit on a, a, a soft spot. That's my, my favorite movie from the actual um, movie. It's like yeah. all the actors that were in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Gene Hackman is on that, on that shoe. Isn't that cool? That's crazy. Um, oh, so, Muncie though, that's not where it was uh, filmed. It was okay. filmed throughout the state. Um, but the Hoosier Gym is in Knightstown, Indiana. Okay. You can actually go there and rent it. It's like a community gym. Uh, but um, I've done that a couple times <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a special place. But yeah, I grew up from in Muncie and uh, went to Westdale High School and I thought it was gonna go down a, a sports marketing path. So I, I actually went to Indiana University uh, to study sports marketing, got my degree in that uh, with a minor in business, and that's just the way that they did it. Um, but a lot of business uh, curriculum, and then I took a job with an arena football team here in Indianapolis. And nice. my first, my first uh, professional job was. Have self. they always been around? They're not around anymore. So the okay. story is, I uh, I did that for a couple of years. Uh, I kind of cut my teeth in in sales, and then the team folded. Oh, geez. The, uh, the owner decided to, to close it down and then I was on the hunt for, for something else. Um, I worked for a company called Muzak. I don't know if you've heard of them before, but they're, they're I don't think, I don't know if they're still around. Isn't
0: that like the, the dental office music. Yeah. Or that's the
2: music in, in, in office wow. space, grocery stores. And I did that for a short period of time. I didn't really enjoy it that much. And I lucked <laughs> into finding uh, an account management role at Exact Target in 2005. Wow. And that's how I transitioned into software. So uh, I really grew up professionally at, at Exact Target. And I was uh, one of the, the first account managers. And I was able to uh, uh, stay there for 10 years in various customer uh, management type of roles, helped build a couple teams. And that's where I really started to, to take interest in customer success and customer experience. Um, and then uh, that. Was what the exact target, and then we um, we got purchased by Salesforce. Stayed on for a couple of years just to see what that was all about, and had a great experience. Wouldn't trade it for anything. But then I got the startup itch, and yeah. I, I had to uh, had to explore that. So I, I joined a company called Sigster here that was uh, new at the time, um, yeah. and started the customer success team there, and got my my first true startup experience, which was fantastic. And then i got an itch another itch to throw an idea uh, at a venture studio here in indianapolis called high alpha they um, they're kind of part vc part what they call venture studio where they spin up new b2b SaaS companies they're extremely active they're they're, they're um, alive and well uh, doing that every day and i was lucky enough to get an idea into their process and it was a, a seed for connecting with uh, scott mccorkle who is our ceo now at meta cx um and he was the former uh, president of of exact target and wow. the marketing cloud at at uh, salesforce for a period yeah. of time and a random turn of events and we were able to uh meet through high alpha and co-found meta cx uh three years ago wow. so
0: what's that like working with like exact target the big chief from exact target now you guys are getting to collaborate together it seems it's amazing. crazy
2: it's um you know it's interesting he's uh He's been in in technology for uh, many, many years, uh, more more than me. And uh, he was uh, with Exact Target from kind of an investment standpoint on day one, and then and we actually joined around the same time officially. And then he um, he was a huge reason why Exact Target was able to evolve like it did. Um, But we've known each other for a long time, uh, but in, in this this opportunity that, that's presented itself, uh, it's new territory. It's just a, like I said, a random turn of events where we came together, but um, we were hanging out and kind of evolving an idea that I had, and it's going kind to of turn into the vision for, for MetaCX. And it's just been a, a blessing and uh, just a tremendous experience. Uh, and then with our, our other co-founders, Jake Miller and, and Rona Associan, who is our, our on our design team, um, it's been, it's been a wild ride. We're, in an earlier stage but um we have a fantastic team and we're, we're off to the
0: races got that startup bug man and then you just yeah. you just like dove in that's awesome how it was, is it is it as it wild is, and crazy as the tv shows make it seem
2: it yes um it is uh <laughs> it's everything that it's as hard as you think it is or you might maybe you know, I will assume it would be just to start something from scratch. It's very hard and the, there's no reason to sugarcoat it. It is you know, trying to create something from nothing. Uh, we're taking a really big swing and we've, we've got a great set of investors and a great team, but we've still got to make it happen. So execution yeah. is everything. We have a fantastic vision, uh, but um, it's a grind. It's, it's really hard. It's, it's a roller coaster and you've just got to kind of, stay even keeled and, and work through the, the good and the bad. Um, yeah. and we're, we're doing our best to, to do that.
0: Yeah. Crazy. Did you guys meet at Salesforce? Is that how you first connected?
2: Yeah. So exact target, um, was fortunate enough to, to be able to acquire, uh, a Pardot and Matt and I connected through, through that acquisition.
0: Cool. Yes.
2: Yeah, so we go back a ways. Back. Just a few, just a few just
0: years. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys know you'd be collaborating on a project in the future or had you started no. talking about that or how did that, this sort of, uh, I know you got the the book, maybe just talk about that. Real I quick. mean,
1: like, I think how we reconnected was I just try to, part of my role is just to kind of keep my finger on what's going on. Um, saw they were doing something new, reached out to Dave, probably, I don't know, mid last year, earlier last year, trying to kind of catch up, see what they were doing, how things were rolling. Yeah. And then once they really kind of filled me in on what they were doing, um, and we had a conversation, And then went back and just doing my research, doing my normal world, and then start to see, you know, the signal bells go off of, oh, outcomes, I hear outcomes, I hear outcomes. Mm -hmm. So then it's reaching back out to who the people that I know on the frontier of outcomes. And well, there's Dave. Um, So it's, you know, go back and reach out to Dave and say, hey, guys, like, here's what I'm seeing. Here's the research. And that's why we decided to collaborate on this um, was because it's just, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like, you know, we've got two angles. I get to see from, you know, what's going on on these, all these other different fronts, they're working with customers on a daily basis, actually implementing these ideas and bringing them to life. And um, so it's a really good partnership.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cool. It's been, it's been really, really fun to reconnect and it's uh, you get, it's been part of large organizations before. It's just like, there's, there's a, so much power in the network that you build with within a large organization. And it's, it's fun to uh, see how people, uh, come and go, and, and it's really important. I, I appreciate this more than ever as I get older, just to stay connected to um, maintain these relationships. And then you know, opportunities like this present themselves, which has been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, the funny part was when we were talking. So you mentioned Jake, one of the other co-founders. He's is he CEO or president of what's he doing over there for you guys? Oh,
2: well, there's two Jakes. Jake Miller is um, on the technical engineering side, and then Jake Saroffman is our president. Ah. Surat, yes
1: so sarah so david and, and me and jake so often we we're kind of working on this project together and i was talking with jake Jake's like, oh yeah so he knows like my boss's boss he's like oh yeah me and him go way back and so he dropped him a note it's like this kind of funny like everyone kind of knows each other small world
0: everyone's connected yeah. <laughs> man that it's it happens like that and mm-hmm. and i think that's where the the really interesting connections come from um so so this i mean, we mentioned at the very beginning but there you've got this ebook but so this this massive report you've created um, the new North star experiences, the method outcomes are the goal. That's a cool title. I don't know how long it took you to workshop that, but that is fantastic. Um, how long has this been in the works? We have a great copywriter. <laughs> uh, Matt, we've been at it for, I'd say a
2: few months now, um, few before, months. before the holidays for sure. And I'll call it, call it three, three or four months.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and the the interesting aspect is it's, it's really kind of a POV, kind of a, a helps you get started, see what, what's coming, brings up some notions that we need to be thinking about, such as the performance economy and the future of how we're going to compete moving forward. What are the steps that we need to take? What's the maturity model of where am I? How do I move to the next step? Um, you know, wh- what does, you know, what do some analysts think about this notion of an idea, some validation around outcomes? Um, so it really kind of gets into a lot of the specifics of, you know, why do we need to be thinking about this? But then- the goal is that people understand that the statement that is the title, which is that experiences are only the method that we use to help customers achieve their desired outcomes. Yeah. And if those desired outcomes are not achieved, it doesn't matter what the experience is. So, you know, that's kind of the big, big high level thing. We want people to take away from that. Um, and then just how do we do these things? How, how do we get started? Um, that's kind of what we wrote the ebook to kind of help kind of make that statement and kind of help get people moving down that
0: path. Nice. Nice. What we'll do is we'll put a link to that in the uh the show notes here for that so people can click right on through and get that um and get get some i don't i feel like I, i've learned so much already on this podcast it's going to take like a couple days to digest but i this is like get this next and then you can take it further so is fantastic um dave question mm-hmm. for you before we get out of uh u-zone and we're, we're going to talk about fishing in a second um before we stop talking about you though got a question it's a bit of a oh. hypothetical. Um, I may or may not have a time machine in Nashua, New Hampshire, where I'm based here in the backyard covered with a tarp, um, <laughs> but it may or may not be true. Um, so let's say COVID's done. We, we sweep the acorns off the time machine. You get a chance to use that. You go back in time. What a setup, right? What's up? You go back in time and you meet yourself. You just got that degree, your sports marketing. You're about to go work for the arena football team, um, <laughs> What would you say to yourself, knowing all the things you've experienced, all the things you've done, people you've met, all those connections, what kind of advice would you give yourself?
2: Great question. There's, there's two things that come to mind for, for me and it it starts with reading more. Um, I was late to that, that game, just literally reading books and um, I would have done that earlier in hindsight, and I, I recommend that to you know, younger professionals. But uh, I call that out because it was the, the the switch, if you will, for me starting to really understand customer experience and um, embrace it. So, I actually, do gravitate towards business books. Um, I I I, um, I like being able to learn and then apply. And they're not all great, of course. Matt's right. is fantastic. Yeah. But um, there's there's something about like you know, continuous learning that I, I really do embrace and, and enjoy, and um, I was a little little late to that game, but um, it it has made a big, big impact on me. So I would yeah. uh, read more. And then the other piece of that is like, and it's cliche, but um, just a variety of of work experiences I think are very positive and. Um, I just make that recommendation to people. So and get a, as many work experiences as you can um, across a, a different size organizations is something I think about a lot. And I, I was fortunate enough to have um, that, that variety, but it's, it's something that um, I, I would do as early as possible.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, to go to have an exact target and a sales force and to also be in a, uh, a startup, <laughs> in an incubator, yeah. Seeing all the different experiences, you know, how do the big companies act? How do the small right. scrappy ones act? I could see that being huge.
2: Um, it just shapes your perspective yeah. and then it can inform like, what do you like? What do you not like? Um, you know, startups aren't for everybody. Large organizations right. are for everybody, but um, you should kind of come to your own conclusions. there to you know, pick your path, if you right. will. Um, so you,
0: met, think- you mentioned the books though, anything you're reading now, anything you recommend, um, yeah, I think Tim Ferriss has that. What's your most gifted book? Do you have Do you have a, a book that you I don't recommend?
2: I don't. I need to get more books. Um, yeah. the I, I just um finished a, a great leadership book. I, I like to read leadership books. Uh, no time for spectators. Uh, it was actually written by a, f- a four star general, former um, uh, uh, Martin Dempsey is his name, and randomly um, I've had a chance to meet him, and he put out a book that I just read, and I also just read a. A book called discipline entrepreneurship um because i'm still learning about entrepreneurship and it's kind of fascinating to me then uh, there's there's a lot of great um, teachers out there on that note so i've read those two most recently
0: it's awesome I, I, it'll be interesting I'll, I'll definitely check that out the idea of discipline and entrepreneurship it's like those things coming together that's a, it's yeah, interesting yeah
2: there's um it's really good to learn from those who have done it before yeah. and have learned a lot along the way um yeah. and their failures and their successes matt what about you your books um books, books
1: i mean, I just finished pat conroy's uh, the great santini fiction nice. novel uh from business book standpoint wasn't I, that a uh, movie maybe i don't know i yeah, think the prince great- of tides was uh, pat was a pat conroy movie the great, uh, the great
0: you said santini right
1: the great santini yeah 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 it's
0: know. definitely a movie 1979 oh this is a oh. great movie dude you need to go see that movie I just
1: got done with the book, so yeah, all right. Didn't even know there was a movie about it, um, so I'll go <laughs> oh. check that out. I think, but honestly, these are the books I'm reading right now. So game storming, um, mm-hmm. the surprising power of liberating structures, um, mm-hmm. all these books about facilitation and game theory and game technique. That's really what I'm, I'm super bullish on and reading right now. So they're not even like, they're more or less just like manuals of lots of games and plays to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. I, I don't know. I'm very bullish on this notion of innovation technique and facilitation technique of how we move forward of organizations and just kind of doing a lot of deep dives into that.
0: What was that second one? Surprising power of?
1: Liberating structures. That's actually all open source. You can just Google that and the whole book is published. Wow. Online.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess that's fitting, right? It's very meta. (laughs) Yeah. It's a liberating structure of, uh, of an open published book.
1: Yeah. It's cool. Awesome.
0: Well, sweet. Sweet. This is, this has been crazy. This is cool. It, it sounds like we were talking earlier. It sounds like we all need to plan a fishing trip, talk customer outcome experience and on a boat.
2: Yeah. Awesome. I'm up for that. I think that's a great idea. I, I hear Matt's got a lot of options these days out in, out in Colorado. So we need to take, take
1: so it. Later. Can one of y'all teach me how to fly fish? Cause that's the next thing on my list. Yeah.
0: Right. That seems hazardous, but really cool looking
1: i uh i are need you to learn with yourself you, know, up like with you, fly you flip line? it
0: back and it gets in your ear or something like the movie oh, so
1: i got a funny story on this one so me and dad <laughs> are fishing when i'm like seven we're in a canoe and we're in this like you know lake or whatever and uh dad so rooster tail you guys if you're a fisherman you know what a rooster tail is it's just like a little treble hook with like a little spinny thing and some feathers dad throws it and gets stuck in a tree and as we all know like how do you get a lure out you yank a little bit and it comes out well, it comes out and shoots directly into my dad's thigh, like straight in two what? treble hooks into the thigh. And dad oh. goes, "Son, I think we're gonna have to go in." And I was like, "Dad, it doesn't look like it hurts that bad. I think we can stay out a little bit longer?" <laughs> but uh, but it was yeah. When dad's like, "No, son, we're going in now." I mean, he had to like. It was gross, but uh, but yeah, it was pretty funny. But yeah, how so do you, it how do you get, get it dangerous. out?
0: Did he have to like get pliers and like their barbs and?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you know, well, we don't need to get into the details cause I think so. It might be a little too it is the much hard-core for some marketing
0: people. show, but okay. Sorry. It's, it's
1: <laughs> so, right. Boy, Boy scout training 101. Yeah. You push it through, you either clip the barb off and then pull it back out the other way or just cut the top off, but you have to push it through first.
0: Push it through.
1: Did you yeah, help you push with them. that? No, I was like seven. He's like, go play with toys while I uh, do this. And
0: you're like, bye. <laughs> oh, but here's it
1: uh, on this. This is the funniest story of all time. So me and my cousin, Tom, Tom, if you're listening, this is for you, brother. So we're back to back fishing on my cousin's pond and he's got this, uh, this dock, right? Once again, rooster tails are involved. I'm using a rooster tail. I guess mm. I was really into them at this point in time in my life. And I get it stuck in a tree and it's behind me. So I'm like this, right? So it's like behind me. So I'm like yanking, I'm like yanking, yanking. And I don't see it. So it's like, I got to look and see where this thing's in the tree so I can get it out. I start to turn around, follow the fishing line, follow the fishing line. And there's my cousin, right? We're back to back. Fishing line goes right to his forehead. I had hooked my cousin in the middle of the forehead.
0: <laughs> you were yanking on it? And
1: I was yanking it. Uh, doesn't oh, he, he didn't cry. He didn't make a sound. But here's the funny part. So we're fishing with my, my aunt, Beth, who's a hilarious character in her own right. And then we're fishing with Charles McKinley. We're from a town of 250 people. Charles was like this crazy, brilliant man who, like, he just insane, right? There's no doctor open on Saturday, so we take him. We take Tom to the dentist, and the dentist pulls the hook out of Tom's forehead, and then we go to to settle up with the dentist. And Charles goes to settle up, and the lady's like tells him how much the bill's gonna be. He goes, "Well, how about I just pay you with fish?" And the lady's like, no, sir, we don't accept fishes as, as a credible form of payment these days. He goes, and then he starts making a scene in the dentist office because they wouldn't take the fish as the payment for getting the hook out. Like I told you, was, these are some characters, but the, that was just one of the funniest days. Like it was hilarious. There's just there's so much to that story. It was, it was hilarious. Day. I you
0: and fish, I love Dave, that. I don't know if we want to go fishing with Matt. I don't know. I, uh, let's just not
2: bring rooster tails. I think that's yeah, the no, rooster tails. Yeah, no let's, let's stay away from the rooster tails, but um, I can't, I can't top that. Fishing story. That's a good one.
0: You know, there, there's um, there's a Salesforce event in Montana, um, Big Sky Dreaming, and I was able to go last year. And there are several people that were there, and they just got there like a week early, and all they did was fly fish. Um, mm-hmm. Their their guides would bring them out and everything. So I was like, oh, I understand why this this event is so popular. You get to you get to go to Bozeman, Montana, present, talk a little Salesforce, talk a little customer outcome journeys, and then go fly fishing and hiking. That's
2: the way to do it. That's you got to blend the two if you can.
0: Like we need to. We need we to need plan to do that a presentation. More. We need to like. Yeah. We need to pitch Big Sky Dreaming some stuff for this year. Maybe I think we. I think year. if we
1: theme our talk around fishing, we can then go shoot and get all of our action shots for the presentation the week before, and then we can write it all off. I'm just no, guess, saying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear you. And then you could, Brilliant. You can, Buy new gear and expense it because it was for yeah, the commercial. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, yeah. And I guess the question is: Is fishing all about the outcome, or is it the experience?
1: Both. B- both. And if
0: you don't catch anything, but you had a great time.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's go back to this. Go back to your thing. You can go fishing and not catch anything and have a great day. Yeah. But yeah. a day fishing and catching something is better than a day fishing and not catching something. And if you That's don't.
0: catch analogy. Anything, actually, it, rained, it might be the best analogy. Yeah. Right. Well, it, the worst is like if you don't catch anything and it rains and your boat flips over and you get a rooster rooster <laughs> tail in the face. That's
2: right. That's right. You can have a horrible fishing experience for all those reasons. Um or you can have a fantastic one and catch catch the biggest fish of your life, which biggest fish which brings it all together.
0: Right. So I think before this fishing trip we're going to be like, okay guys, before we get on this boat, let's talk about the outcome here. Yeah. Map it out. All right. We're going to get big fish. Oh, no matter what yeah, happens, we're going to tell everyone we got big fish. Got it. Okay, cool. Let's go.
1: That's a good question. What's, what's everyone's biggest fish?
0: That's a good question. Oh, I'm so amateur. I can't even tell you like inches or weight. I would just hold up my hands like this.
1: Yeah. Like a, mine was a mahi. I caught a mahi. We went out one day. Did you?
2: I'm not a, done like in deep sea fishing. i sea fishing. Uh, mine's like a six pound bass. A solid. Yeah. yeah, that would be it. It's uh, mostly mostly bass fishing for me right now. How do I, I do aspire to fly fish. Um, so Matt, I want to learn with you. So I think we just decided that we're going to have
1: a, our own private fly fishing retreat. In Montana. We're going to talk about business yeah. and that's going to be the,
2: the method. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. Let's, it's, it's, uh let's plan that trip.
0: Dave, do you want to just have your company sponsor it?
2: Yeah, let's just do that. Okay. I, I think <laughs> I mean you're on, all the money to blow on fishing trips. Right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you had me at Montana and I think that, that feels good. So now for everyone listening, if they want in on the ebook, if they want in on the fishing trip, because um, I'm sure those are linked somehow, uh, where do they go to connect with you, Dave? Like how, how can they reach out? How can they connect with you, learn more about you, say hi, connect?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. So just look for Dave Duke, uh, MetaCX. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter at DJ Duke IU. And those are my initials, often confused with me being an actual DJ, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> uh, MetaCX.com, you can find the, uh, the ebook and we'll post the link.
0: Okay, cool. How about you, Matt?
2: Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter. It's
1: M Sweezy, um, also my rap name. And then on LinkedIn at Matthew with one T Sweezy. And then yeah, MatthewSweezy.com.
0: the way yeah. oh go ahead matthewsweezy.com
1: yeah just whatever cool. just google me i'm the only Matthew Sweezy in the world don't worry
0: but they got to spell it right though right it's it's yeah. one t and that's the thing when people get to know you it's yeah. in your presentations often but it's like matthew with one t people and so matt is with one t
1: mm-hmm. right yeah so. that's that's honestly by my mother's design she didn't want people to call me matt conversation with her as an adult she definitely agrees that that was a bad decision at least she's honest yeah.
0: yeah as you go go by as m Sweezy with your rapper name and your gold chains and-
1: you know how yeah. disappointing it was as a child to go to like gas stations and look at all the keychains with the kids names and <laughs> never find your name
0: you'll never find it right never yeah I don't- gosh that would be a great thank you gift if it was an abm campaign you know Good thinking yeah look at that That's mind of a funny. marketer well, hey guys, this has been awesome. This has been so great. Dave, thanks for coming on here. Um, teaching us your wisdom, sharing us your thoughts. You too, Matt. I mean, you guys are brilliant. I'm, I'm excited to see you guys working together and I'm, are there, are there more things in the pipeline or one books out and I'm already asking for your next one or <laughs> what, what's uh, what's in the future for you guys?
2: Well, uh, thank you Casey for having us. It's really fun uh, to, to come together like this. Really appreciate uh, all that you're doing. And Nothing, nothing yet. We're just going to tell the story that we, we, we shared today and then in the coming weeks and months, and really just excited to, to uh, bring, bring people along and educate them and, and really challenge uh, the the ways of the past with some, some innovative thinking here. So we're, we're, we're excited to tell that story.
0: Right on. Any final words, Matt, before I hit the red button?
1: Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking a chance to do two people at one time. This oh, is great. We, we appreciate the, uh, the ability to kind of come on here and tag team and, and chat with you about outcomes.
0: Well, it's been fun. I mean, even when we started talking about you know fishing, but also just that you, you guys approached it from different angles and it was great. We got really the full picture on it. So yeah. good stuff. Hey, uh, this has been fun, guys. For all those listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show sponsored by (laughs) metacxfishingtrip.com we will see you all next year on the fishing trip but uh, until then guys catch you all later